Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the exponential success coach and the president of Dynamic Leader, Inc. Today, oh my goodness, I was really excited to connect with our guest. Uh, She has a PhD from Cambridge. She's done all kinds of organization development work. She is a leadership consultant and a specialist in the area of respect and uh the name of her company is like very dear to me because i'm such a huge huge fan you guys know this about me of curiosity i'm so i'm so much a fan of curiosity i keep a curious george on my desk just to uh just to remind me to stay curious so uh how do you How do you engage more greatly in respect of yourself and of others? And um, how do you think differently about respect and inclusion? And um, how do you leverage curiosity? Let's find out. Julie Pham, Dr. Julie Pham, I was teasing, uh, she's like, hello, Dr. P. And it's like, well, hello, other Dr. P. Hi, Dr. Dr. P. Julie Pham, (laughs) welcome. Thank you so much for having me on, Dr. P. (laughs) <laughs> you're welcome dr p that's so funny there's a there's an old movie doctor 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 um <laughs> anyway uh, there you go i'm so excited to get into this uh the whole idea of respect your phd in the social sciences that helped you leverage this um i want to know like you didn't land in this space of Ta-da, I'm this uh, amazing doctor who knows all about respect. So you grew up where? So I, yes. I mean, Dr. P, a lot of, there are lots of pivots and career changes for me right. to, get to where to where I am. So I grew up in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle, and I was born in Vietnam. And so that's actually a really important part of important part of my story, if you don't mind me sharing this. I want you to share this. Yes. Absolutely, please. So yeah, so I was born in Vietnam. I came to the US as a boat person with my parents when I was two months old. Um, and this was in 1979. My father had just been in uh, put in a communist re-education camp for three years after the, the war ended. And so we grew up in Seattle. I grew, I grew up in Seattle and uh, my parents founded the first privately owned Vietnamese language newspaper in the Pacific Northwest. Wow. Uh, yeah. And that's important because I think of, there are so many different ways that that people come to this country and why. And, and for us, it was really for freedom. And that's been a really big theme in my life. Um, I grew up, I think of my parents as hustlers among hustlers because the Vietnamese community here is very entrepreneurial. And uh, and whenever I get scared, I just think about my parents' journey and escaping by boat. And so that's where I get a lot of my inspiration and source of courage. You know, I, I just want to pause right there because so many of us um, were able to just start on a path. And we... You know, we've had our struggles. Um, some have had it easier, some have had it tougher, but there was sort of a path. You know, we got on a path, and um, this is sort of what I want to do, and kind of inch by inch stepping into it. And we take for granted that there is a path. And your parents and you, you know, you there's such a different start that not everybody had a path that was especially easy that to escape a country in order to to reach a place of freedom i just like to underscore that 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 it's like this is we take so much for granted and and that to go back to land in that space it's like (laughs) amazing that your parents did what they did what fortitude and so how you must have grown up knowing that they were like knowing without the words to go with it when you you know you grew up you came over at two months old and they're starting a a newspaper in a vietnamese community um 
my guess, I'm guessing English wasn't necessarily, a, you know, an no, I mean, limited English. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, both my parents, my, my, since my father saved, uh, served as an officer, he did speak English, but it was hard. It was still, it was still very hard. And then I, two younger brothers soon followed wow. and my mom had to drop out of school um, because she had, they both started going to school again because their degrees weren't recognized here. And so they had to start again. And so it was really starting a new life. It is a new life. Um, so you were born into a family of uh, strivers, not just survivors, but thrivers. I mean, there's a difference, uh, you know, to to land somewhere that's totally foreign and and just survive, just get by. And in in my thinking, survival is kind of a dis-ease, mm -hmm. dis-ease, right? Uh, your parents took it, figured it out, struggled through it. Struggle gives you growth. Um, struggle, not suffer, right? And um, I'm a big language person. So, <laughs> yes, absolutely. My parents always taught me that being a refugee is something to be proud of. I think yeah. a lot of times people think, oh, refugee, or, oh, you, you've you've suffered so much and, and we have to help refugees. And my parents always taught me, no refugees, that means that we're resilient. We've, uh, we are thrivers and, uh, and that we can make, we can make a lot with what we have. And, and so that I'm really proud of our community and, and how creative and resourceful. I mean, I definitely think that the Vietnamese community has punched above its weight class for its yeah. size. Agreed. <laughs> Um, I just, I want to, I'm writing these down because I want to point out some of the words again that are, that are, um, so potent, right? That, that if any of us, it's just like, wake up from where you are and, and take on any of these words, uh, resilient, thrive, creative, resourceful, like where can you incorporate any of our listeners, right? Any of our audience, where can you incorporate any of those words today in your life to up-level your life just that bit. Resilient. Wait, I'll give you another word. Right. Hopeful. Oh, very good. Resilient. Hopeful and optimistic. I think that um, I read somewhere that Vietnamese are among the most optimistic people in the world, and I really believe that because I think that there's there's resilience and hopeful is different. Right? To believe that uh, hopeful and optimistic are different from just resilient. So. That's amazing. I just saw uh, uh, something about hope um and was reminded of an early study in the 1960s and it was a a pretty horrible study with rats um where they basically put rats in water and watched how long they would swim and the average uh at the first test was 16 minutes um before they sort of started to give up and at that point they were plucked from the water dried off and then put back in the water. And mm. it's like, that's a mean thing to do. That mm. said, what we learned was these rats didn't go 16 minutes at that point. Mm. They went 60 hours. And the whole idea is, wow. the whole so idea is when, right, even rats, when they're given a bit of hope that they might be, you know, there might be a way through this. Um, the whole idea is with hope, you can go and go and go. Um, again, I mean, in the 1960s, there was a whole lot of stuff done that, you know, may or may not be done today. Um, but we learned a lot. So hopeful, optimistic, um, <laughs> amazing words. I want to, I, I, I'm like, there's so much I want to get out of you. So talk more about your journey and then how you got to do what you're doing now. Yeah. So, uh, being, um, being immigrants, my parents wanted me to have a very stable life because they didn't have that stable life. And so wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer. I thought I was going to be a lawyer. And instead I, I decided that I was going to pursue academia <laughs> and, um, and I ended up getting my PhD in history. And so I spent most of my twenties actually pursuing that, um, that degree just... at, at, at Cambridge, at Cambridge in the UK. And, <laughs> Uh, and so I got to, during that time, I got to live in the UK, in Germany and France and in Vietnam. And so that really has shaped the way that I think about 
how people want to be treated, how um, how we inter- how we interact, how we how we change in different settings. And then I came back to Seattle actually in 2008 because actually as I was finishing my dissertation, I realized, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to stay in academia. And Dr. P had done all the things that academics are supposed to do. Right? I published in peer-reviewed journals. I taught. Um, I actually went back to Berkeley to teach for a semester. I was working at an academic journal. And so I'd done all the things. And yet I realized I didn't want to stay in academia. And I actually wanted to try my hand at business. And so, and my brother who was working at the newspaper said, hey, can you come back and help out? And so I decided to come back. But I, I, didn't, I didn't realize I was coming into the great recession and we're also the start the global decline of the newspaper industry and so i came at the end of 2008 and the world had changed oh 2008 everything everything had changed right everything had changed all these newspapers were closing down across the country and and here i was working at a vietnamese newspaper with my parents (laughs) and it was i learned so much i call that period, the time of my real life NBA. And I started to do a lot of volunteering. And I went from being a solitary researcher to collaborating with others. And that transition was very hard. It was very, very hard for me. And I got to say that I wasn't very curious at the time. I was just very much, let's get this done. Why is it taking so long? Why are we Mm. (laughs) chit-chatting? And it was incredibly frustrating for me. And I realized I wasn't having fun. I wasn't having fun and other people were having fun. And so I, there were all these mistakes that I made and, and then I just started to get mentors who really stressed relationship building. My father was also this too. It was just like really stressed relationship building. And I realized how much fun it could be learning from other people (laughs) actually. And that, um, and then over time I started doing all this, community organizing, because also being someone who's bilingual and the role that I had, people kind of just turned to me and said, oh, you can represent, you can represent these marginalized communities. And, and so that's how I, uh, I, I mean, I feel like running the newspaper with my brother, writing our first business plan, uh, we actually bought half the newspaper from my parents. That was my, the business education. That's how I learned how to sell. <laughs> that's how I learned how to do marketing, distribution, operations. And yet, the community building part was really where I learned all those uh, communication skills. And that's where I realized again, kind of seeing again, even if it was in this a much more local context, people had different ideas of how we want to be treated. Um, and then fast forward. So I, I was at the newspaper for three years, realized that I'm working with um, eight people, half of them have the same last name as me. <laughs> I need to move to a bigger organization. And then I spent the next nine years in tech uh, and at different tech companies going corporate. And then the last one, I was uh, an executive at a nonprofit advocating on behalf of the tech industry. And that's where I got my second real life PhD. And I kind of started to do community building again. And I created a program to bring together people from tech, government, and community-based organizations. I started doing cross-sector work. So before, when I was doing, when I was at the newspaper, I was bringing people together from very different ethnicities um, and different races. And this time it was from different sectors. And the same, you know, the same differences would come up. And what I saw, though, was that what I saw some people thrive and some people struggle. Uh, Because in this, this volunteer program I created, and the people who were struggling were those who were saying, I want success to look like this. This is what the outcome needs to look like. And you know, Dr. P, inevitably things change, right? And they were really struggling with that. And and then the people who were really thriving were just, oh my gosh, look at what I learned. I had no idea. We created something out of nothing. This is so cool. And, and it took me about um, a year and a half before I realized, oh, it's curiosity. Mm. that's what it is and you know something else we saw was that because people are placed into these cross-sector teams if we had a critical mass of people who were um curious on a team they could actually uplift the morale and the inverse was true as well 
if we had a critical mass of people who are just so focused on the outcome, they could actually take down the morale of the team. Because there are a lot of people who are kind of in the middle. They were just in the middle. And so in the beginning, I really wanted to please and make the people who were struggling happy. It's like, come on, come on. Let me, let me like make this a good experience for you. And what I didn't realize that was happening was I was losing the people who wanted to be there mm-hmm. because I was so focused on saving those who actually were just, mm, no, I want it to look like this. And then I learned to ask this one question. Once I started to suspect people were just kind of getting disengaged, I asked, do you think you can learn from other people here? Wow. Good one. Good one. And some of them said, straight up said no. (laughs) Others said, I don't know. (laughs) One person actually said, well, yes, but it'll take me too long by the, because I'm much further along. And I learned to, once I heard that, I learned to say, okay, thank you. Don't worry. You don't have to replace yourself. We had this rule. You'd have to replace yourself if you dropped. Um, We will find a replacement. And once we did, we replaced them with someone who did want to learn from other people. We could see the morale on that, in that, on those teams bounce up. Mm. And so that's where I was just, oh, this is what I want to do. And I mean that, you know, that natural researcher, right. In me, I was kind of like for the three years I was running this, I was just, oh, what are we learning? And by the end, I was like, I want to do this. And I want to do this with other people too, because imagine what happens if we do this with people who are paid to work together. Mm-hmm. And that was the start of my company, Curiosity Based. Curiositybased.com. Yes. Yes. Uh, just throw it out there now. Do you, uh, do you think you can learn from other people? It's a... It's a great question, you know, and um, I am, I'm struck by so much of what you're saying, you know, it's, it's one of the reasons I wanted you on is there's a congruence, you know, Mm I, I, I love your message. I love everything about that. Um, I, uh, I'll reference a a TEDx that I did, uh, which says how a parallax perspective can disrupt perceptual bias and it's a fancy way of saying if you look at something differently you will interrupt your own blind spots Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. that thing that you're looking at um i ask the bottom line is i ask people to make one assumption only only one assumption and that is that there's more and that you ask yourself what you might be missing about the situation the other person or yourself Mm -hmm. and that's I believe that's so congruent with with what you're doing and how you're bringing this out and you're saying actually respect comes from curiosity like respect for yourself and for the other person and maybe the process and it doesn't mean that none of that can change it means that we need to actually be in it and respect it in order for it to change and grow mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so good you are listening to one sharp sword cutting through to what matters most with your host dr wayne pernell you know you are bigger than the life you are leading it really is time to attend to that thing you've wanted to do or have but you've been putting off it's time to step into that dream you've parked for someday It's time to claim true well-being, both personally and professionally, without giving up the success that got you here. It's time to check out Dr. Purnell's signature small group retreat, the Exponential Success Summit. Explore ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. Seats are extremely limited as this is a very special small group event. www.ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. So these days you're working on like you're how do you bring this message out besides um like you're doing some writing you're doing mm-hmm. some consulting how do you like where and how is this showing up for you So one of the I mean so Dr. P brought up respect and so I wrote this book last year called Seven Forms of Respect and I actually think of this as a tool to spark curiosity and to get people to, um, to practice curiosity with one another. And so 
And actually, I was a year into my business before I realized I shifted the way that I was thinking about curiosity. I had always thought about it as something you have or something you are, right? An adjective or a noun. And now I actually think of it as something as a do. And so I think of it as a practice. And in that way, when I think about it that way, it's just, oh, there are times where I'm actually not practicing curiosity. And that's real, right? I am not open-minded right now. I do not. I'm I'm disappointed. And I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated with my disappointment. You know, I had certain expectations and I am not feeling very curious right now. Right? I don't want to listen to the other person right. or sometimes I'm listening and, you know, I'm going to be straight up. Sometimes I'm listening. I'm like, I'm listening to see how I can convince you that I am right. And yeah. so I think it's actually really powerful when we admit that we are not always curious. And then that actually, that. Yeah. it actually takes it away from being, oh, they're curious people and they're not curious people, right? Actually, it just means that I think that we are all curious and uh, and yet there are times where I'm not practicing curiosity. And well, I think it's really yeah. important. I think this goes hand in hand with uh, what I said about my TEDx. Like mm-hmm. we do have perceptual bias. Mm-hmm. We come to every situation with a preconceived notion, whether we know it or not. And mm-hmm. And so curiosity as a do, right, as a verb, I think that's really important. One of the uh, two sayings, one mm-hmm. is stay curious, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of the ways that I sign off some of my some of my notes to people. It's it's also, uh, again, it's an action verb, right? It's, mm-hmm. a, it's an action word. The other is, is um, you know, one of my sayings is if you live in curiosity, you cannot be in judgment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So the whole idea is step into it. If you notice, as as you were saying, um, that, you know, if you're noticing yourself being in this judgmental place, it is a it is an action step shift mm-hmm. Get into the space of curiosity. What am I missing? What might the other person be saying uh, from from what perspective? What uh, what's the other person feeling? Even, right. So how do you encourage or engage or let, can we talk about the the seven forms of respect? Yeah. Yeah. And so I'll just say that um, I, when I think about the practice of curiosity, I actually liken it to meditation. So it looks really easy and yet it's quite hard and we can't always stay in a meditative state. So actually I, I would take a spin on saying stay curious. It's like, we can't actually always stay curious because we, because judgment, us having judgy thoughts <laughs> is then the, the, the opposite of that is us being open, right? So for us to actually even appreciate being open, there are times where I'm going to be judgy. Oh, I'm being judgy. And so it's about how we move back and forth between these and okay. realize that because there are so many, I think of um, expectations and assumptions. I, I I like to compare them to those nesting dolls, those Russian nesting dolls, sure. right? It's just like, I didn't even know I had this. I, I've got this assumption. Then I peel it off. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's another one, Right. Um, and so let me, let's go to comparing this to, or how did this relate to some forms of respect? First, though, I want to say that I think of the practice of curiosity, there are three elements. The first is self-awareness. The second is relationship building. And the third is clear communication. So let me go step by step here. The first self-awareness is how do I practice curiosity on myself? How do I ask myself questions? And as that re- relates to respect is how do I want to be respected and why? What matters to me? The second one is relationship building. So that's how do I practice curiosity with other people? How do I ask Dr. P, hey, how do you want to be respected? And you know what I also need to do? It's not just about learning about you. It's also me sharing myself with you, right? So then I just, and letting you get curious about me because some people almost are, it's it's an offensive move to just, I'm going to ask you all these questions and not share anything about me. Right. And yet we need to have that back and forth, that reciprocity to have the relationship building. So how do I learn about how other people want get curious about how other people want to get respect? And also, how do I share with them my stories so that they can react to that? And I'm going to learn about me just by how you reacted to it, because Mm -hmm. we're going to spark things in each other. And then third element is clear communication. So this is how do I listen to understand How do I ask questions when I don't understand? And how do I share stories? I find that a lot of times people are very vague uh, and they speak in abstract. So when we talk about, for example, I can say, oh, what is, 
uh, what's important to you? What are the forms of respect that are important to you? Why? Oh, you said punctuality is important to you. Why is that? Well, because it's it's respectful. Well, why why do you find it um, respectful? Because it is. That's what you do. That's it's respectful, <laughs> right? And so, and what I'm really asking them to share is like, well, what do you think in your life influence you to think about that? Uh, to think that res- punctuality is respectful. I can share a story right now to give, illustrate. My mom, growing up, my mom was always late picking me up from school. So the school staff had to wait with me. And I felt a lot of anxiety because the school staff had to wait with me. And, I and said, shame, I, probably. And shame, and shame, yeah. right? And Because they couldn't go home until I got picked up. And so growing up, I uh, when I grew up, I was like, I'm not going to do that. And I literally, around time, I feel anxiety. That five-year-old comes back. Yeah. Right? It's not just, oh. It's the proper thing to do. It's because we should do it. It's actually this story that this experience. And here's the thing, Dr. P, someone else could have the exact same experience and have a different reaction. Right. Exactly. They could be like, I'm almost late. What's the big deal? Not yeah. a problem. And so it doesn't start till I get here. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Right? And, that, and both are valid. It's like the, it, what the important thing is, is actually understanding why do I think this way? How did I get here? Yeah. Um, because one of the biggest misconceptions actually about some forms of respect is that we need to have all seven forms. I tell people, this is more like five love languages, not like seven habits of highly effective people. It's actually the seven forms of respect is for us to get curious, for us to practice curiosity around the forms of respect that I like to give and that I like to get and and to practice that curiosity with other people too, because it's, because actually mm, what we found is that respect is it's dynamic. It is dynamic. It's and that's dynamic. where it's, mm-hmm. it's where personal growth comes from, mm-hmm. right? You are not who you were five years ago, 20 mm-hmm. years ago, certainly five years ago, even yesterday, if you acknowledge that you were curious about something, learned it, and might have grown as a result of what you learned even yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it is absolutely dynamic. It's interpersonally dynamic. It's um, independently, <laughs> personally, singularly personal uh, dynamic. I think uh, that's awesome. Um, cool. So that's that's one of the seven, right? Oh, so yeah. yes, you, uh, here I can share the other seven. I actually even have a, a bookmark here. <laughs> so we use this acronym called PICA, P-P-I-C-C-A-A, and it stands for Procedure, Punctuality, Information, Candor, Consideration, Acknowledgement, and Attention. And so the point here is that there are going to be some that I prioritize, and there are going to be others that I don't prioritize. And, um, and you know, I've talked about how respect is dynamic, and that's because of these three dimensions. The first dimension is hierarchy. It's about power especially in the workplace, there are going to be people who have more power, equal power, and less power than me. And how, who I'm interacting with in those power dynamics will influence how I think about respect. This, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, so there's positional power. Mm-hmm. And then there's right? informal power. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And Did so- you go into that in your book? Um, yes. And so that like, you can have you, one person, you can have a, be, I can be in a relationship with someone in, in this setting, you have more power than me, but in another setting, I have more power than you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it does. That's it part does of the change. dynamic. Yeah. It's part of it's awesome. dynamic. And then the second dimension is what I call give versus get. So the way we like to give respect can differ from the way we like to get respect. And so some people feel, oh, am I being a hypocrite? No, we're just contradictory and humans are contradictory. <laughs> so, and this could also depend on that power dynamic, right? Because it's like, well, I'm not always going to give the thing I give to my boss will probably be different from who I give, what I give to my peer and what I give to someone who reports to me. Um, if I'm a solopreneur, what I do, let's face it, if I have to choose being late to a, a meeting with my customer versus my vendor. I'm going to be late to a meeting with my vendor, right? That's that's just the reality. Yes. And yeah. And then the third is, the third dimension is this question of what matters to you? What matters to you? And that is versus what should matter to you. Because we've all been socialized to, to think, oh, this is what respect should look like. This is what I should get. And what we don't ask ourselves is, what actually matters to me so much? I will do it no matter what even if it doesn't matter to the other person. 
And mm. I feel it inside. And maybe it's something embarrassing. Like I don't want to admit it matters to me because I feel it shouldn't matter to me. And yet that can catch up to us as well. This is great. This is all, um, again, you know, I, I appreciate having you. It's, it, it is aligned very much with a lot of the things that I teach, you know, the, the, the stories that we take on early on, even pre-verbally, mm-hmm. we have a broad perspective and a context for what rules we've, we've sort of ingrained in us. Um, and then we apply those as we get older and they only served us when we were little. Right. And so, but we take these on and we've built this story and the, the whole story around punctuality. Um, right now, it still serves you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to. And it does, which is, which is great. As long as you know, there's no shame involved, mm-hmm. right? That that's a choice at this point. And it's also when I'm in Vietnam, though, that changes because punctuality, they have this time, this phrase in Vietnam, time is rubber. And so I had to adjust, right, to the setting. And so I actually have a, when I, when I started this research, I'd ask people, Hey, what is, uh, how do you want to be treated? And people say with respect, I'm like, okay, well, what does respect mean to you? And then they'd say, well, it's the golden rule. So Dr. P, you know, the golden rule. So I was going to ask you about this because you're like, because <laughs> uh, you have a thing where it's like, say goodbye to the golden rule. Yes. <laughs> say hello to the rubber band rule. So golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And you're like, no, no, do unto others as they wish to be done. No, to. no, no. I don't even have that. That's the platinum rule. <laughs> okay. The platinum rule is do unto, um, treat people the way they want to be treated. Now the, the yeah. issue with the platinum rule because it sounds really good, right? Treat people the way they want to be treated. Well, what if they don't know? What if they don't tell you? What if it changes? And what if you don't want to treat them that way? Okay. Maybe they're asking you for something that you don't want to do. And so I actually have what I call the rubber band rule. So tell me about the rubber band band rule. So for for our listening audience, (laughs) Dr. Julie Pham, she is holding (laughs) up a rubber band and... um, ready to yeah and ready and then stretching with. it right okay. exactly and stretching it so the rubber band rule actually reflects that we're able to stretch as humans we're stretchy right she's like oh dr p i know you like this i'm kind of ambivalent but i'll do it you know because i want i want to respect you i want to show respect to you and i know that matters too so let's say we're in groups where it's just oh gosh they can um i've heard sometimes that in work settings i'm at a place where everyone gives each other compliments all the time everyone is awesome <laughs> you know and there's all these kudos all the time and so i feel like i have to do that i have to say everyone's awesome even though i think that's superficial right and so what can happen though over time is we're stretching we're stretching to kind of what accommodate what we think other people want we stretch we stretch we stretch uh, what, we snap and break yeah it breaks yeah and so that, the rubber that band was rule. bold because that <laughs> might have hurt so that was awesome. you know it, luckily it's 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 not too thick of a rubber band but um <laughs> So with the rubber band rule, it's actually about knowing what are my breaking points? What's going to make me snap? And that's different for everyone. And a lot of times people, this is that first element of practicing curiosity is practice curiosity in yourself, understand what matters to me and why. A lot of people, when I feel, when people feel disrespected, you know, when I feel disrespected, my first impulse is they meant that. (laughs) They're the person, they're the problem. They meant to do that to me. And what we're not asking is, why do I feel bad? Mm-hmm. Why do I feel disrespected? Why is this bothering me? We're What's so focused yeah, on what? we're so focused on what the other person did. And I'm so guilty of this. I've gone around like, I can't believe they did that. How could they possibly think that that was okay? And I'm not asking myself, my first reaction is not, hmm, again, I'm not practicing curiosity all the time. This is trained. <laughs> this is, this, this is uh yeah if you start to feel something that has you just storming inside it is a trained response to say what is it about that action that caused this response in me what is it about me that's responding this way to that action because they're not thinking about it anymore Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right that's the whole thing when when you're angry when you're carrying a grudge you're the one that's still wrapped up in something. They're they're long gone. They're they're beyond yeah. it. So, yeah. But Doctor P, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna lie. Like 
sometimes it takes me a while to get there, right? Even though I know that that's where I need to get. And like, sometimes I'm just doing in my feelings. I just had this uh, major argument with my mom over the weekend, right? And I stewed, even though I knew, yes, logically, I need to ask myself these questions, but I was angry. And so that prevented me from practicing curiosity because those it emotions does, are going to happen. It it takes energy. I will say that I'm uh, I'm pretty good at it now. Like if I'm feeling something, it's almost instant for me. Like that has become an internal trigger mm-hmm. that it's like, well, wow, that's a big shift mm-hmm. for me. Here's what's great is that, uh, like you are in the process, you are doing this on a regular basis as the expert, you're, you're even catching yourself going, why is this affecting me? For me, I've been doing this a really long time and there is a, there is a training. I mean, it's a part of a process and it is now almost natural it's uncomfortable and it's natural to go okay i've got this intense feeling mm-hmm. um i'm choosing not to be sucked into this intense feeling what's going on in the other in this situation that i'm that i am choosing right and that's part of it i'm choosing to react this way so if i'm in charge of my emotions I'm choosing this reaction. What's happening that I'm responding in this way or reacting in this way? And what do I, what do I choose? How do I now choose to respond? Uh, because if something's triggered me, it's an integrity breach from, from a, a, an old story, what happened. Mm-hmm. And so I'll explore and then I'll be able to, uh, I'll explore and then I'll be able to step back into the situation from a much more neutral place with respect for myself the situation and the other person. So mm-hmm. yeah, it takes a, it's a big process. So um, I love the rubber band rule, right? I, in a, in a nutshell, this is what's going in my show notes, unless you want something <laughs> different. No. One, mm-hmm. be flexible and two, know your limits. Mm-hmm. Like those are, those are the two yeah. rules, of the rubber band rule. Yeah. Know your breaking points, know what's going to make you snap. And know that that's different for everyone. Some people are big, loose rubber bands and other people, I'm a tight little rubber band, right? And that could also depend on the context. For some people, maybe they're super loose at home and really tight at work, right? And it's kind of just understanding that the conditions, our environment who we're interacting with will impact that. And and, and also just that I do think that just like crying can help us, right? It's like, sometimes we just feel the swell of emotions and I have just got to cry, right? I can't just be, no, Julie, don't feel sad. <laughs> you know, why are, why are you feeling sad? No, I'm like, I just need to cry or I just need to vent or I just need to be angry. Be in it. Yeah, then, be in it. Then, like there's no bad emotion. Yeah, That's the other yeah, thing is there's no yeah. bad emotion. It's in some ways it's information for you, your body, like you're a whole person. Mm-hmm. There's no, it's like, but seek to understand it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, and then yeah. go ahead and be in it. Yes. And because we need to be able to articulate that for ourselves before yeah. we can go and talk to that person. And that's the thing. I think sometimes uh, uh, we go and we expect the other person to know, and we haven't even explained it to ourselves. Why are we upset? We just, we think obviously they'll understand why we're upset. And yet if, if asked, we're actually not able to explain it. And so that's why that practicing curiosity on ourselves first. Right. Because there's an old story that comes from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. There's a, that's right. It's curiosity, self curiosity first. What's going on? What's happening that I'm, that I'm experiencing this love all of this. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think of it as like a lot of times people think about curiosity as being outward um, I'm going to go learn this new thing. I'm going to pursue new knowledge. I'm going to learn about other people. I think of it as being both inward and outward. Okay. That's amazing. Will you do me and my audience a favor? Mm-hmm. Um, you held up the bookmark and you ran through PPI CCA like, <laughs> really fast. Yes, yes. And, and so just like give, give each, uh, give me a second. Okay. Peek between each word at least so it's like the first p is what the second p is what right so So, yes so there is the acronym pika p-p-i-c-c-a-a and um there is procedure so this is about us following established rules and norms 
there's punctuality, which is about time constraints. This is not about valuing time. It's about honoring time constraints. And then there's information. And this is about giving people access to data, to um, to knowledge that they don't need to necessarily know. I think of this as FYI. And then there's candor. And this is about giving, this is kind of like information, but the information is with intended with a purpose to, to create change. So this could look like unsolicited or solicited feedback. Uh, there's consideration. And this is interacting with someone based on what you think that they want and need. So the the best example of this is, oh, I'm going to surprise you, Dr. P, right? Because I want to delight you. I'm not going to ask you what you want. I'm just going to surprise you, right? Because that's that's the consideration. And then there's acknowledgement, which is gratitude, praise. And then there's attention, which is um, undivided, not multitasking, undivided attention, listening, not interrupting. And so for each of these, I really, really, really want to stress here, I'm not saying to have all seven. Because in some places, multitasking is a sign of performance, and that's okay. As long as people can say, this is what we this is what we prioritize. It's actually getting clear on what we prioritize rather than trying to be perfect and getting all seven. Prioritization um, is another word in some ways for organizational values, mm-hmm. right? So as an organization, whether that's a family or whether that is a large company or even a small company starting up, right? Your organizational values um, are about what do you choose to spend your time, attention, money on? That's how you know what your values are, right? So if you come together and it's like, we got to get this done. Awesome. Obviously, you know that the time and activity are values. So. Well, and I will actually say, I think that because I, I draw a distinction between values and priorities because values, it's, it is something that never changes. That's something that's a constant priorities actually recognizes that there are different things that are happening here. And I normally would prioritize uh, candor. So for example, Hey, I'm having a deep conversation with you. And normally I'm all about punctuality, right? Like we've got to end on time. And yet you're telling me this sad story and I'm just going to listen. I'm not going to look at my watch, even though inside I might be like, oh, I'm going to be late. But, you know, I really want to give you my undivided attention. And so I'm going to prioritize attention in that in that setting, not, not punctuality. And so from an organizational point of view, though, what I try to get when I work with teams is to help them decide, hey, what are the top two to three that we are going to consistently on this team prioritize not saying that the other ones aren't important not saying that we don't do the other ones saying that push comes to shove this is what we need to prioritize that's great that's awesome i um i have a different approach to values Mm -hmm. um so that they're not necessarily permanent you have your primary values those Mm -hmm. are the ones that stick with you they're also what are called peripheral values Mm -hmm. because if you look at who you were when you were 20 years old you don't have the look at me kind of value, um, you know, that that over time we value uh, who am I in the world to uh, how do I gain stability? And then it's what's my legacy? How do I make a difference? And then as you get a little bit older, it's like, OK, um, I need to create um, this legacy and adventure now matters Mm -hmm. a whole lot more to me and health and adventure. And you combine those. So over time, our, um, our primary and our peripheral values, our peripheral values certainly shift. That said, they are different by your definition. And I agree with you that by your definition, values are different from priorities. Although if your value is I value the interpersonal connection, then your priority is going to be you're telling me a story. I am yes. absolutely engaged yes. with you. That's that's it. That's it. With you, the so, values will influence what you prioritize. That's yes, so good. That's a really great way of putting it. And and I will say some one thing that people get really frustrated by. Uh, some people are really frustrated by the some forms of respect in that it's so fluid. It's like well, how are things so dynamic? You know, like. I want it's called life, <laughs> right? It, right? It's right. like, it's how are like, things I not? Want, I want this. I want to know. Uh, and I always have to, I, I think that the seven forms of respect is complementary to those personality assessments. But sometimes people are just, oh, well, I want to know which ones I always like, what are my respect styles and what are other people's respect styles? And it's just, 
Well, you can, we can talk about what we generally prefer. And yet that's not going to always be the case because situations change. And we also have to think about the situation. Yeah. So preference, you know, what I do with preference is, um, you know, if you fold your hands in a certain way, if you bring your fingers together, a thumb will be on top. A finger mm-hmm, bottom. Mm-hmm. That's a preference. On the other hand, uh, when a situation requires it, you can close your hand the other way. It feels a little awkward, but it's certainly doable. Um, and then once that situation's over, you'll probably go back to your preferred style. So if you, you know, clasp your hands and interlace your fingers, you'll feel it. I'm saying this for our listening audience mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those that aren't viewing necessarily. Um, and then, you know, cr- clasp your hands the other way with the other thumb on top. It's doable. Unless you're driving. Don't do it while you're driving. If you're listening, we can stretch. We can stretch. Right. We're capable. <laughs> yeah, we can't. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We can't, right? We can live into a different style, mm-hmm. even if it's temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, stretching, growing. Um, it's so funny to me that that you know, you bring up that people are asking you, you know, what is the way? It's <laughs> like, well, it's a dynamic way. Like, well, I want the answer. It's like, well, there's this thing called life. <laughs> and- it's kind of dynamic it's what you make it for you you know it's like if everybody had the same rule um it would be very boring you mm-hmm. know it's, it's like that not- i mean that is the lesson right it's just like that things or to things change and i actually had at the end of a talk once where i talked about asking questions and this person said you've taught us how to ask questions what i really want to know is how to answer questions and i was just that's life yeah, that's, that's leadership. That's actually leadership. The question is, the big challenge is how is I can't tell you how to answer. It goes back to something you said earlier, though. It's like, well, what matters to you mm-hmm. now? Mm-hmm. What matters to you now? It's like, and your answer today might be different from your answer tomorrow or the next day. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like, I want to know how to answer questions. Well, what matters to you now? because that's going to change it will change did i have an argument with my um with with someone i love this morning right did i did i did something break in the house (laughs) am i is it really sunny outside and i'm just feeling really good like all of those things impact how we're gonna feel and our ability to practice curiosity really it's it's (laughs) right so stepping back into that how do i feel right now mm-hmm. what's the what's the right answer i don't know what's the right answer the right answer is how do you feel in the moment when you're being asked that question whatever question it is so good so really good all right so this is it's curiositybased.com um what didn't we cover dr julie fam julie oh my what, gosh what oh my gosh there's cover? so much we covered but i'll just say one last thing very quickly i think that there's a difference between disrespect and lack of respect Oh, oh, so powerful. <laughs> so disrespect is intentional, right? So yes. Dr. P, I know you didn't like it and I did it anyway, right? And lack of it's respect. A, it's a giant F you. Yes, right? right? Because I know you didn't like, you know, I know you like to be CC'd on emails and that's why I left you off, right? <laughs> and yet lack of respect is, oh, I didn't know that mattered to you. And maybe you told me it wasn't a big deal. Right. And how, how often have we done that? Oh, it's not a big deal that you did that. It's not a big deal that you didn't do that. And yet inside we're seething. It's like, Arr. and yet the other person didn't know. And so I think it's really important to pause when we're feeling disrespected. Again, it can, it's totally normal to feel like when we don't get respect in the forms that we want, it's totally normal to feel disrespected. And yet to pause and ask, was this intentional or was this because they didn't know? And, and, and- either answer has a different response choice. Mm-hmm. Like asking that question puts you in a place of choosing to respond. If it was intentional, are you going to retaliate? I mean, that's a choice, but it's mm-hmm. going to lead to, to uh, again, consequences that you probably don't want. Mm-hmm. So if disrespect was intentional, how do you educate? Right? Well, yeah. And it, and if lack of respect happened, which is unintentional, how do you educate? Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the rubber band rule. I've got to, I've got to articulate, tell someone what's going to make me snap. 
right? Like part of that responsibility, the self-respect is I need to be able to have respect for myself so that I can have that conversation with someone else because I can't expect them just to know, especially if I've kind of been telling them otherwise, oh, that's not a big deal. And yet it is a big deal to me. We have to take responsibility for what we communicate to other people. You have to take responsibility for yourself and and what you're sharing with other people about, yeah, about what you want for you. I'm loving this. This thank you. Thank you for being here. This is this is awesome. How do uh how do people find you? Thank you so much, Dr. P, for asking that. So you can find me. I'm most active on LinkedIn. So you can just find me at Julie Fam PhD. And uh, so please feel free to reach out to me, follow our company page, curiositybase.com. You can find more about the book at formsofrespect.com. You can buy it on Amazon and on and Barnes and & Noble and all of those other bookstores. I also have tons of freebies on the site. So if you go to the site, you'll see this free quiz, this free digital course, um, a free mini book too. And our YouTube channel uh, also at Curiosity Base has lots of different short videos. I talk a lot about the some forms of respect. I, I really, one day my dream is that people will talk about forms of respect the way we talk about love languages that will say, Hey, what's your form of respect? This is mm-hmm. mine. Mm-hmm. No. And that way we, we move away from, I need you to respect me. I am respecting you. Oh, we need to respect each other to like, Hey, how do we want to be respected? Cause we could agree on what it feels like. We disagree on what it looks like. And I'd love for, to help people get to that. What does it look like for you? Yeah. Yeah, it's so personal, right? Mm-hmm. The idea of respect, it's so personal. Uh, love that. All right. So Julie Fam PhD on LinkedIn, curiositybased.com. And there's freebies and all kinds of stuff at curiositybased.com, plus the book, Seven Forms of Respect, Dr. Julie Fam. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Dr. P. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I have too. It's great. My guest today, Dr. Julie Pham, Seven Forms of Respect, curiositybase.com. Please find her. Uh, And this is One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Exponential Success Coach and the President of Dynamic Leader. We'll see you here again next time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Breakthrough Success Coach and your powerful presence mentor.